Welcome to Turnpikers, the show about the people who make up the Denver and Boulder tech scene. We're your hosts, Luke Beatty and Danny Newman. Information about this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Welcome to the next episode of Turnpikers. Uh, today we have Jacqueline on our show, and we're just having a quick discussion about uh, the fact that Jacqueline is not a Jackie, and <laughs> and and and, uh, and Danny's not a Dan. So, uh, in the in the true sense of letting people introduce themselves, why don't you tell us about what you're up to and uh, what you're all about, Absolutely. and how you ended up here in our our little uh, living room, our little our little interview living room. Well, thank you for having me, Luke and Danny. Not Dan, not Lukey. Right. Um, my name is Jacqueline Rose. I'm the CEO and founder of Revelar. Revelar is a wearable technology that empowers your loved ones, whether it's they have severe allergies or going off to college or live alone. At the touch of a button, now you can know that they need your help and where they are. And that is a, what, what is your company doing? Are you building software? Are you, are you building the hardware? Wearable. Are you, out, you out having, you're doing everything. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so tell it's us an, about that. I call it interdisciplinary. Yeah. Um, so early on when trying to figure out what kind of engineer I'd need, everyone's like, well, you need mechanical, you need electrical, you need software, you need apps, and turns out you need everything. And so you guys have been uh, developing a, it's a, it's a little, how, what's, what's kind of the form factor of this thing? It's about an inch by an inch and a half? Oh, yes, so it's about an inch little, and a half, very thin. Yeah. Um, it clips and hides under clothing, so I'm actually wearing mine now, but you can't see it. And it, is it hidden in the cast that you're wearing on your arm? It's not. It's and not, okay. It's, that'd be real sneaky, though. Yeah. But how would I press it? You know, the hurt hand. But um, it's actually hidden under my dress here. And it allows you at two presses to send a yellow alert, which is the yellow alert is the preventative piece. It's call me, here I am. Um, three or more presses is red alert, full-blown emergency, please call for help. So when you think about the different use cases, yellow alert is this Tinder date's going terribly, get me out so I can discreetly get out of this situation. And red alert is I'm having a heart attack, I'm being attacked, I'm, I need to get out of this situation and need professional help. Can you, can you customize those or are those sort of a standard uh, frequency that's built into the, uh, into the software and the Currently and the it hardware? comes with those two built in. Got it. So, but, but you don't define what your... No. What your alerts mean? The, no, they get to. Got it. So actually, during Techstars, that's where we realized the real importance of this because one of our mentors you want to get out was of a lot like, of those meetings. Yeah, we have to. But he said to me, he goes, you know, my wife, she has severe allergies. She has an EpiPen. She presses this thing in a Target. I'm running in with a gun and an EpiPen. I need to know which one do I bring. Um, and so this way, people can assign to yellow and red alerts what they'd like it to mean. Because the contacts, the Revelar emergency contacts, have to approve being the contacts. So now a conversation has been started between loved ones as to, if I set off a yellow alert, this is what I want you to do. If I set off a red alert, this is how I'd like you to behave. Um, so it and really who? allows, yeah, exactly, and who's doing that? Um, so that is a very clear chain of command, and like, how do you want people to respond? That's awesome, and that's all managed through the, uh, through the app? Mm -hmm. um, very cool, and you can can you have different sets for different uh, alerts, or are they is you it can. yellow is yellow? Okay, absolutely. Yep. So you get five alerts for yellow, five alerts for red. I've programmed mine to be both yellow and red, um, but you can have different people. So if let's say you're in college, you want your yellow alerts to just be your friends to get you out of like the party or whatever the situation is, but you want if it's a real emergency red alert, you want your family to answer only. So that way you can also kind of level it out, but it's up to you. Is the hardware a companion that you need to have with your with your phone? Is it tethered to your phone, or is yes, it... it uses low energy Bluetooth. So you have to have your phone with you. Yes, got it within a certain range. 
Very cool. And I know the uh, I, I know that you've you've kind of been thinking about this and iterating on the uh, on the overall concept for for a while. But you had some kind of personal experiences that kind of uh, really kicked off. Uh, you know, really jumping down and 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 buckling down and creating this thing. Do you want to kind of talk about the uh, origin? Absolutely. So I started Revelar originally because my little sister was assaulted twice before the age of seventeen. Um, both both times were completely different. No one was at a party, people she knew. The other time was total stranger trying to abduct her in a parking lot. Um, and from her stories, I started to really reflect on the issue of how vulnerable people are, even though we've, you know, as a society, we've become so much more independent, and that's incredible, right? I want to empower greater personal freedom. The fact is this greater personal freedom comes with more vulnerability because now you're alone more. And both times she had her phone on her, but she wasn't able to pull it out and act in time. And so I wanted something that would bypass all those steps and immediately allow her to focus on what was happening. This is what I talk about when I mean I talk with my hands. Um, and allow her to handle the situation. Because um, I remember asking her, especially after that second case, I was like, did you scream? Like, do you scream when something like this happens? And she goes, you know, it's not like in the movies. You don't react the way you expect to react. She goes, I just ran. There was no, you can't scream and run. You just run. Um, and so it was trying to understand what does it actually mean to be in an emergency situation? How do you feel in that moment? And what is the most that you can do to call for help? Um, which is why we created the simple two or three bun press solution. Um, but she was definitely the, the impetus. But since going out to the community, whether it was when I was a teacher, I saw my students be attacked or I saw um, people that I loved in college get hurt or other family members, um, or even since of coming out into the community here in Colorado and talking about the use cases, people will say, well, my daughter has severe peanut allergies. You know, we worry about that all the time. Or um, people who have physical, um, visual, or hearing disabilities, this could completely change their quality of life um, because they're actually usually uh, um, assaulted at a higher rate um, proportionately. So there is a lot of, I think that vulnerability is really the unifying factor. It's, and we don't have to sell that. You know, our customers already believe in what we're doing. And they just want to know what it does, and immediately they apply it to their own use case, which is my favorite part about our technology. What's the availability of the application and the hardware or the wearable now? Oh, you mean where can you buy it now? Yeah. Um, you can buy it on our website. We're shipping um, as of this week, so that's really exciting Congrats, news for us. Huge. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, And we will be nationwide in retail by April 25th. So soon you'll be able to get us in brick-and-mortar stores as well. And what is the what is the positioning of this? So this is sort of one of those unique situations where it can be positioned as a nice to have, right? We've obviously existed without something other than our vocal cords or whatever for a long time, or it can be positioned as something that is a really a a must have kind of a situation, right? And obviously for different use cases, like you just mentioned, whether you had an allergy or a, or a a unique circumstance, it might make more sense than others. But how, how do you how do you go to market with something that has a different sort of use case for every single person, for, as far as the uh, the level of of need? We focus on the empowerment. Um, so we our branding and, and our message is about we want you to live your daily life, whatever life that is. You know, wear what you want, drink as much as you want, just you know, for your health, whatever other reasons. But do what you want. Just bring us along with you so you're not alone when you're doing it. Um, it really is about trying to get people to live their day-to-day -day lives. But I also think it depends on like, which market you're talking about. Um, in the U.S., 9 out of 10 times when you're attacked or assaulted, any 
form, it's somebody you know. Um, when you look abroad, these statistics completely flip. And nine out of 10 times, it's random. Um, so like my family's from Cuba, it's from Colombia. And when I think about safety in Latin America, it's not even gendered. Um, it's truly just everybody wants and needs this. Um, one of my family members who lives over there, you know, once said in Spanish, like, vendera como pan, like this would sell like bread because for them it's safety is such an essential need. They don't have the privileges that we have in the U.S. And when the U.S. it's actually very different because the people actually feel a lot more safe than they actually potentially are. Um, so a lot of crimes, about 56% of crimes don't go reported because people don't think they're important enough for the police. But the people that would care are your top five contacts. Right? Like, they care if you're on a bad date. Does the police care if you care on a bad date? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But your mom does. Your sisters do. Your cousins. Your, your, your significant other. Um, these people care about how, you know, situations make you feel. Um, so that greater need to communicate, that's really what we're selling. And are you guys focusing on U.S. market initially and then going international? Yes. Okay. So we'll be, right now we're U.S. and Canada. And in the use cases and the sort of user KPIs that you already have, how often are people updating their alerts and their yellows and their reds and sort of managing that? Um, is that something that people sort of set it and forget it? Or are people using it on a really kind of customized basis? For, for today, it means this. For tomorrow, it means this. And for the day after that, it means something else. We're really excited to actually be able to get a lot more of those KPIs back. Um, but right now, for our beta testers, our beta testers, as far as I've seen in the data, uh, we did four different rounds of beta testing, and they would set their five people, and that was their five people, unless for some reason they were leaving somewhere else. Um, so an example of that is I live in Denver, my sister's in New York. If I go to New York, I'm going to change her to be one of my contacts, but she's not as helpful for me in Denver. Um, but um, well, I think what was most exciting about the beta test is that we picked a really broad audience and to see how they'd react including people that maybe were hesitant to initially buy the product or see if they'd even use it. But by the end of it, they didn't want to return the product um, and had started to apply their different reasoning. So I think the most common feedback was, I didn't realize how much I wanted this device until I left work late and it was dark and I had to walk by myself through a parking lot. And that was the moment that they remembered, A, that it was on and B, that they had access to it. Um, and I have to say, it's been kind of the same with me. I wear my Revel R all the time, but it's at that moment where I'm like, ooh, right before I go walking in the dark, I'm like double checking it's there, making sure it's on. And that's that moment where I make sure all systems are go. Um, because usually you don't want people to live in fear. We don't want people to remember that fear all the time. We just want them to have that reassurance so they can be like, oh, okay, yeah, it's there. We're good. Let's go. So kind of thinking along those lines, so this is, uh, you, the, you've got the current wearable, um, mm -hmm. a single panic button, if you will, but, mm -hmm. you know, kind of a, a quick alert. Do you see this um, type of functionality being incorporated into other wearables, you know, fitness trackers, things like that, potentially being you guys powering a system like that for, for others not kind of doing the hardware yourself? Or do you guys have other, what's the future look like um, kind of in this whole space for you guys? Our current focus... Um or at least where I want to really grow is our software features. I mean, that is where I think that we can learn so much rapidly from our users and improve that customer experience. Um, so there's different, you know, whether it's we add audio recording or we decide to add other, you know, different products, extensions down the road. Um, these are things that would overall improve the package. And then we have other pro products that completely expand, still in the same market, but are vastly different. Um, that involve like data solutions and things like that. And so 
the way we look at our product roadmap, um, and I wish I could draw out a visual for everyone, but I'll try with my words, is if I look at the infinity sign or the figure eight, um, we're starting smack dab in the middle by empowering individuals. And then we're going to utilize the data that we acquire in order to look at the bigger problems and see how can we create even better solutions toward this to empower whole communities now. Um, and then use that information to keep that cycle going and continuously focus on empowering individuals. And then how do we take what we've learned there to empower whole communities? Um, so for example, if let's say Southeast Denver starts tr triggering alerts all the time and it's consistently respiratory issues, is it that we've now figured out that there's something going on in the air in that area that's causing all these respiratory issues to pop up? Or there's a certain house on campus that's constantly setting off our devices. Is there an issue in this, in this area? Is there somebody in that area that people need to be aware of? Um, so it's looking at what are the larger trends. And so we're trying to stay really nimble so that we can move quickly and adjust quickly. Um, so we're trying to stay light on our feet, able to move according to what we learn. We have hypotheses out the wazoo, but I'm excited to actually get hard data. I'm really data-driven, so not having as much data as I'd want, but we'll get that once our product becomes ubiquitous and we're collecting all that information. Talk to us about getting the wearable made and <laughs> that whole process. That seems to be the, uh, and we, we've talked to a couple other guests about having wearables and devices made, and it seems that that's, uh, that's quite a process. Yeah. I had somebody once describe hardware as the double black diamonds of startups, um, and I thought that was a really funny but um, accurate description. Uh, hardware is definitely tough. I mean, I... I went at it naively thinking, if we built a rocket ship and got to the moon, how hard can a button be? Um, so it helps if you go in with this really naive mentality of like, how hard can this be? The answer is really hard. Um, so what we ended up doing was hiring our chief product officer, who was the VP of global engineering at Otterbox, and has 25 years of supply chain and manufacturing experience. I mean, he's not only a complete visionary futurist, but he's just, he knows plastics and electronics inside and out. Um, and he has a deep relationship with our contract manufacturer. He actually used to work for them out in Thailand. And uh, what we love about them is they support our social mission. Um, so the first time that Pichai, the big boss from our CM, came to visit, uh, he comes to visit us during Techstars. And Tom's like, give him the pitch. Let him know how we're not going to leave product on their docks. Like, you know, go at it. And so I'm mid-pitch, and Pichai, in a very strong Thai accent, stops me and is... He's like, you know, we made like $5 billion last year. Like, I don't really care about your business model. Like, who are we going to help? And I was like, oh, you want the vision pitch. This is so exciting that my manufacturers want the vision pitch. Um, but it helps, right? They care deeply about how this product could change people's lives. Um, and getting to meet them, I, I got to go over to Thailand, and it was such an incredible experience. I was actually the first female tech executive they've ever hosted. Um, which blew oh. my mind. Um, but the women in the, in the manufacturers were stoked. Um, they were, I mean, I walked into that building and they had me wrapped up in Thai clothing, taking pictures with everybody within seconds. And they just couldn't believe that they were finally getting to like work with, with a woman um, and that uh, I was the customer coming to them. Um, so that was really, really exciting. Um, but they're fantastic partners. They're going to be here for our launch party May 12th. Um, and it's been great to get to know them. They, they truly care about what we're doing. We're actually the first startup they've ever worked with. And so with manufacturing, I mean, the best advice I think I can give is, like, find somebody who's done it. I mean, you, of course, you could learn it the hard way, but I Find I someone who's like done it had, on your team, for yes. your team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Um, and for us, that was Tom. And he's, you know, he's brilliant. So it's been great to work with him. Talk to us about uh, 
how you ended up in Colorado and what it's been like getting yourself set up here and maybe about what you did before uh, Revel R and, and your background. Absolutely. Well, I can give the abridged version of that. So I actually came up with the idea when I was still in college, my senior year. I was an international studies and Spanish major and thought, I should probably take some sort of common sense class. Like, I'm graduating from college with, like, no hard skills. Lots of fun facts, but, like, no tangible skill set that I could see. So I took entrepreneurialism, like, 101, thinking it was finance, and turned out it was idea innovation, how do you get businesses off the ground. Um, came up with the idea, used my graduation money to pay for the first patent search, and I'd been accepted into the Teach for America program. Um, for those of you who don't know, Teach for America is a two-year program where you go and teach at low-income schools and try to affect change. Um, so I took that lucrative career and bootstrapped for two years, and that's what brought me here to Colorado was Teach for America. So I taught out in Aurora um, while getting things off the ground. And then I left and took a part-time job uh, with Leadership for Educational Equity, training political candidates to fundraise, as well as doing oppositional research for political candidates. Um, so in a nutshell, I always say I'm a researcher by nature, and that I don't always have the answer, but I can find the answer. And that's kind of my superpower, is finding the person that has the answer or finding the answer itself, um, and then putting them together in a room. But it's been an incredible journey, um, and I can't imagine doing it anywhere else other than Colorado. I mean, where I come from is a very strong Latin community in South Florida. And as much as I love my, my culture, they struggle significantly with machismo. Um, and I don't think I would have made the same progress in my business there at all that I could make here. Not, not only do you have access to capital here, but you have access to communities that understand you, whether that's Denver Startup Week or Techstars. You had, the, uh, you had the, the idea, you had the concept. How far kind of down the path had you gotten before um, applying for and getting into Techstars? This is actually a little embarrassing. We didn't apply to Techstars. Um, it was mid our Kickstarter campaign. The Foundry Group had agreed to do a seed round with us, an angel round with us, um, a week before our Kickstarter went live. So it was mad. It was like madhouse. And there was only three and a half of us on the team at this point. So we're running a full-fledged campaign while running an angel-less campaign, essentially. So my team and I just divided and conquered. Um, and we just completely missed the deadline. And they saw us pitch at the New Venture Challenge at CU. Um, and we won. And they invited us to come in and interview. And so we were lucky. We pretty much slid in. But... Um, I knew the statistics, you know, less than 1% get in, and um, I, I just wasn't ever sure if they'd be interested in us, but it was, like, the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Techstars was phenomenal, as you know. That's where I met you. Um, and that was all worth it. Absolutely. That right there. Right there. Kind of going back to uh, uh, some of the products kind of stuff I was going to ask before. Um, you've got a product that initially is out there that hopefully you never use. Yeah. Um, so how do you, um, it's very cool because I actually hadn't heard some of the, the red light, um, yellow or yellow alert, mm -hmm. red alert type uh, concepts um, to maybe help utilize this kind of uh, more frequently. Is there, uh, and, you, and you talked a little bit about this, but like how do you uh, ideate and, and kind of think about things that are um, kind of still have the, the same significance as, as being a, you know, an emergency uh, system that you're creating, but also has some potentially day-to-day -day or at least more frequent usage? Or is that not something you, you want oh, to Oh, no. That's absolutely been a question that we've asked ourselves. You know, when you think of Fitbit, right, you get that dopamine drip daily. You're constantly... Until, you, get, until you drop it like everybody else. <laughs> is that what happens? Yeah. Um, and so... 
I, I always joke that I'm a horrible at working out. I say I do yoga. I do yoga sporadically. But people um, work out more than they their ability to persistently work out, as Chris was telling us, is is higher than it is for them to keep wearing their their Fitbit or their anything else. Oh, I could see that. Um, with ours, we decided to try you to design around that You have a persistent level of fear yeah. connected to your to your device at all times, which people will always be dialed into. Versus, I know it's tricky because we don't want to sell them on fear, right? Yeah. Like that's not what we. That's the opposite of what we want. We want them to think about all the things they will do. You know, for example, I wouldn't when I was in college. I wouldn't uh, walk to Walgreens at night to go get something. I would drive. Even though it was walking distance, but it was dark, and that you know that was game over for me. So I'm like, hopefully people get out there now. Um, but um, we've decided to make it wearable in a variety of different ways. So the initial concept comes with both a clip and a keychain. So it pops out like cell phone cases, so you can change out different colors, change out the wearability. I like the clip version because I never know where my keys are. So that's just me personally. My co-founder likes the keychain because she always knows where her keys are and will never wear the clip. So the keychain is really for the day-to-day -day functionality of don't forget to bring it with you, your keys are usually with you, and then if you want to change for an evening event or something, then you can plug it into the clip and wear it hidden. Um, so it really depends on the user. Um, as, you know, as tricky as this data is, our beta testers who are survivors of some form of incident are much more likely to wear it as a clip every single day without needing of any kind of help to remind them of why. Um, whereas people who have not faced an issue such as that one, they love it, the concept to have it, but they'd rather wear it as a keychain so they don't have to have it. So it's, it's been really interesting to see how people's life experiences have also affect how they use our technology and where they wear it. So in a year, according to you and Techstars and Foundry and your employees and everybody, how many people are using this wearable in a year? What, what's going to be, what's going to be, give me a number for what's going to be a successful year. So like hitting 2017, my yeah. dream, at least 50,000 people. 50,000. Absolutely. Combination of sales and uh, give back. So, so far 10% of our products have been purchased just to donate to women in need. Um, the first group we're working with is domestic violence shelters or intimate partner violence. Um, actually not for the people in the shelters, since they're pretty good. It's the 11,000 a day that get turned away from shelters. Isn't that horrible? In the U.S. alone, 11,000 a day. And so they want to be able to give these devices to those people so they can contact them in case of anything. Um, so my dream is absolutely to be able to get into the hands of a combination of people that want to buy the product, but also people who are willing to spend a little more. So like on our website, you'll see a buy one, give one, and a buy one. And so clearly the buy one's just the set retail price, but for a little more, it can go towards buying a product for somebody who needs it. That's very cool. Very cool program. The uh, 50,000, so you have 50,000 just out in the wild. And then, um, and, and what do you have built into sort of your expectations about churn and usage? Like what would, what's going to be successful with you if, with 50,000 people that, that, that 30,000 of them uh, are, are actively using them and recharging them and connecting them and tethering them to their phone? Well, it runs on a watch battery, so luckily the chances of them having to recharge it within that year are like slim to none. Okay. Um, and so the battery lasts, I mean, I demo this thing all the time and it lasts over a year. I'll leave it on for full You've had days. a lot of fake emergencies. Well, no one ever responds to mine anymore. It's really yeah. sad. Seth thinks I'm going to need a separate product that's yeah. just for that just because nobody color. responds to me. Just a special color just right? for you. Um, probably would want that gold then if I'm going to yeah. be honest. But sure. um, 
it'll be really interesting to see what that looks like because we don't want them to use it, right? So there's the tricky part. Yeah, but you're like, going to know that. How you're you, going to know yes, that. Yes, we have check-ins. So the battery, the device checks in every so often to make sure you're connected to remind your you in case you're not. you're yes. actively using it. So what's, um, what's that? What is that? Because I mean, that, that sort of churn is the biggest, the biggest <laughs> challenge for people. I do not ever want to be that wearable that ends up in a drawer. That's that's really important to us is that we make our value proposition so clear that we don't end up in a drawer. Um, but I, you know, we're going to have to kind of see what that looks like and how they're using it, right? Um, are they using it for the reasons that it was intended? Um, well, it'll be get, interesting to see, you know, yeah. what the retention is for, this, for, this, for the self-defined user, yeah. right? For the person who's looking out for themselves and then the retention and usage around people who are, who are buying it for a... Child or a child yeah. or or a dependent of some kind or, or or a caregiver giving it to somebody that they're looking out for. So that'll be that'll be. That's actually be the number one thing we hear is that the purchaser is not the user. Yeah, and that's also there another that's probably tricky. Better for you. It'll be interesting because then it's somebody's um, job. <laughs> that's true. Um, our, our I, I think it'll be fascinating to see how they use it because it has dynamic tracking as well. So our chief product officer is always joking because it'll draw little lines to show where the person has started and where they're going. He's like, what if somebody uses this for a beer crawl? I was like, oh, man, that'd be interesting. Like, people just use this. You could this use this for, for a zombie crawl. Yeah. You could use it for all, because then people could just find you, right? right? They pull it up, and then there you are. You've moved. It's okay. There you are. And so it'll be interesting what people apply. If he thought of that, my guess is someone will think of that. <laughs> Some college kid will be given this device and think, that's perfect for this. That was actually um, a question is if have you seen any even in the short period of time of any just crazy uses yet? But it sounds like you're, mainly at least you're getting out of uncomfortable yeah. situations yeah. And, and not even like, you know, scary situations, yeah. just like I don't want to keep talking to this person. They'll trigger their yellow alert, so somebody will call them. Yeah. So that's been one of the number one use cases is beta users have already been like, oh, you got me out of that horrible meeting or you got me out of this. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure to see how people use it. And is it just the uh, one-time fee for the for the hardware? Yes. Good. Um, yeah. So we wanted to keep it really straightforward. We've seen a lot of wearables that have these subscription models for the same service, which is odd. Um, but yes, it's retails for 99 That comes with the friends and family package that includes the five contacts for yellow or red. Um, and then So you have to pay for line. more contacts if you keep changing your contacts? No, I mean, if you change them out, that's not Oh, a it's just five active ones five that could be anybody. Five active ones at a time. Ab absolutely. Got it. And is the um, alert to those active, is that via text message, phone call? What is the... Uh... They currently get an SMS and an email. Okay. Um, so that way they get it through two different channels. Um, but it'll, there's a whole bunch of things we want to be able to do to make it more accessible, to be able to get our app out there more. In the future, there will be different professional level services that do come with, you know, additional benefits for subscription, but currently focusing on getting this first product out there. We're trying to keep it as simple as possible. Enterprise sales? That'll be fascinating, because Lyft drivers, real estate agents, um, Uber, I mean, people have been buying our product for work, for sure. We just had a real estate agent today post on our Facebook because she was so excited, and you know she got this because she has to constantly interact with strangers. Yeah. Um, government loan, government workers, breweries, you name it, a wide variety of people who work solo or have to work the late night shifts or work in cash. Um, and there's lots of places in Colorado that work in just cash. Um, and they like our technology for that reason, because it's like the bank panic button that used to be under the desks, but now it's for your person. Now talk to us about your, how many employees do you have, what's your hiring plan, where your office is, what's the, what's the situation there? 
So we're really excited. We just signed our first like long-term lease on a new office space. We're going to be painting the walls and making it all nice and branded. Um, and it's a total steal. Um, but don't let him know I said that. And then we're currently at 17 employees. We anticipate hitting 40 by 2017. Um, so we're definitely entering this massive growth phase. Um, it's a really exciting phase, but it's, uh, it's intense. Like we just, when we left Techstars, we were six, and that was in September. So we've essentially tripled um, and are going to kind of keep at that pace. And you guys raised uh, from Foundry? We raised from the Foundry Group. We yep. raised $3 million, um, and we closed that in November. It's great. It's exciting. Oh, they're fantastic to work with. They're like mentors, friends, investors, all rolled into one. What about, all right, now, separately, one thing we're trying to get going here is tell us something that is separate to what you're doing. could be in your, in your sort of world, but what is, what is one thing that you get that you think is a thing that most people don't? And what is something that you that everybody else thinks is a thing that you don't that you do think is a thing? I'll tell you one I just had recently, and it actually has to do with culture. Um, one of my team members, she's just this utter rock star that comes from another startup here in Colorado. Um, we're completely obsessed with her, and I was talking to her, and I was trying to get feedback, like, "How am I doing?" Right? This is like my first time too, so I'm trying to get feedback from them, and how can I get better at my job? Um, and she said to me, she goes, do you remember that meeting, Jackie, where we were all arguing Did you tell about... her right at that point to stop calling you Jackie because <laughs> oh Jackie's not your friggin' name? You're right. That's, that See, was her I first mistake. That's good. No, I mean, I already, I, I do your it all the time. name's not Jackie. I, mean, I just think Jacqueline, I mean, it's just prettier. But anyways, um, and I do think that something should be done just because She should work better. on that. I'll have her work. I'll let her know. But she goes to me, she goes... Did you know, she goes, do you remember that moment when you said thank you for, you know, speaking up for our customers and, because she was giving something from a customer perspective. She's like essentially our customer voice. And, she, and I was like, yeah, what about that? She goes, that's the first time anybody's ever, ever thanked me for having a different point of view. And I just sat there shocked. I was like, excuse me? She was like, yeah, I've never heard thank you for that. I've never heard anybody thank me for disagreeing with them or thank me for bringing up a topic that maybe other people didn't want me to bring up. And I was just blown away. I was like, am I the first person who's ever said thank you to you? Um, and so that's a thing, you know, like basic manners. Yeah. I would have thought that that was a thing that everybody got, you know, yeah, like take it thank for you. Sure. Um, and so that was a big one for me. I was just like, that's crazy. Like if that's culture, y'all should just like learn basic manners. Feel free to call my mother. Like it's not hard. Um, and then the thing that I didn't know um, this is a really embarrassing one, but one of our advisors, she works for Snapchat, and I didn't really quite get how, like, my story worked and how everybody could see it. Um, so I'm still learning a lot about Snapchat. <laughs> but let's just say there were some really funny videos of me playing with dogs making weird voices that apparently a lot of people saw. That yeah. I, like, you know, it's fine. It wasn't anything horrible, but it's definitely, like, good to know. You, you, have, you have better snaps ahead of you. I better, I'm getting way better at it. And I honestly, I, I predominantly play with it now because of her and because I'm fascinated by the fact that they don't do tutorials. You have to just figure it out. Um, and so I took the challenge. Um, like, did you know that Snapchat allows you to uh, use cash? Like, I didn't know that. And so lots of different things that I've learned that apparently are basic information. And usually I'm learning it from my old kids. So like I just recently gave a talk on internet safety and my students, um, we had an issue come up where... 
it just imagine what other issues can come out with Snapchat, right? And I'm talking to these 11 to 14-year-olds. And I was like, oh, so like, what apps are you using? And they're like, well, have you heard of... And they start throwing out all these apps. And I was like, writing them down, like, okay, note to self, you're getting old. Pay attention. Like, what are 11-year-olds playing with? And they love this new app called Musical.ly and, like, all these other things. Which is things, awesome. Which yeah. is awesome, That's right? Like but like Smash, right? Same thing. They're hysterical. Yeah, it's all lip-syncing to yeah. But music. I swear 11-year-olds know more about what's out than anybody else because they just sit there and fidget with it all day. And everybody's building stuff for millennials, so there's a lot of inventory out there for Yeah, them. so I just go to them whenever I'm feeling like I need to feel old and just talk to a bunch of 11-year-olds. I'm like, what are you using? What's the new technology with you guys? And then they'll tell me, and then I'll make. You make right. up a couple app names yeah. they've never even heard of. Yeah, that's right. No, they're yep. good. <laughs> they're good. Right on. Right on. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about Revelar, check out Revelar.com. How do you spell it? R-E-V-O-L-A-R.com. The availability is 100% everywhere now, but just U.S. And Canada. U.S. and Canada. Got it. Yep. Perfect. And and if people ordered it today, when when, when could they get it? Are we pre-orders, or are we days. just shipping right now? They're shipping. They're shipping. Awesome. So they're going. Great. Yeah. Congrats. I'm like, what's today? I keep forgetting what month it is. I'm so tired. Someone's like, oh, so you're launching. It's done. You've launched. And I was like, oh, you don't get that. Launching is a process. We started to launch, and it goes on for two months. <laughs> so it's a really interesting Lots just of doesn't definitions end. of that. Yeah, I know. I wish it was like software. You're just like, it's launched. No, it's hardware. It's like it's it's shipped here. Now it has to ship there. Now it has to ship here. And does it have all the you know stickers and tags and codes? And it's awesome, as you all know. All right, Jacqueline, thanks for coming on. It's been uh, awesome catching up with you. Congratulations on uh, on all your success. Thank you. Thank you Thank guys you. for having yeah, me. This absolutely. was fun. Thanks for listening to Turnpikers, recorded at Postmodern Company in downtown Denver. More information on this show is available at turnpikers.com and at turnpikers on Twitter. Reach out with questions and recommend future guests. 